Clint and Sylvie. I've got the boys. The normal crew is back together. We got one guy all the way out in Lincoln, Nebraska. He's hawking side-by-sides and utility quads and I don't even know what. But Ryan is back with us. How's how's your business trip going, Ryan? It's good. It's good. Business is good. So it's fun. Good, good conversations. Wish we could have more to sell, but we're selling everything we can make. So that's never a bad problem to have. I was going to say, you got into this job at a really good time. Uh, I know coronavirus has been bad for most people, but uh seems like your industry <laughs> getting into uh, the power sports world. 2020 was a, a good year for sales, at least, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people on this uh, listening to this pod probably can relate from the bike industry, but it's it's kind of the same same world. Um, you know, people people couldn't uh, maybe take family vacations or something like that, so they found other ways to spend their money and maybe get out and enjoy the outdoors. Um, and so, you know, just like the bike industry, I sell things that are fun to use outside, side by sides, and ATVs and uh, sea doo watercraft and. <clears throat> Uh, we sell ski do snowmobiles and all that kind of stuff. So it's been, it's been good. And, you know, it's, it's just like the bike business, which is, you know, happens to be a hobby of mine and, and, uh, just not a lot of things to sell, but everything's selling so that, that you can get your hands on. So just, uh, you know, trying to help dealers that way. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's been good. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been an interesting year, but you know, for us, it's in our hobby type industries, you know, whether it's us or RVs or boats or uh you know like like i said motorcycles bicycles hiking stuff camping stuff it's all been pretty good yeah and coming to us from his house not on a business trip like me it's just kyle how's it going (laughs) kyle (laughs) uh doing good guys how are you doing good so y'all are in for a treat tonight kyle is hyped about this podcast he's prepared (laughs) he's got stuff to talk about and it's we're we're gonna talk about the thing that the entire internet in the mountain bike world is talking about, and that is the big mountain enduro in Ironton, Missouri. M I S S O U R I, Missouri. Missouri. Anyway, where are you from? Where are you at? I am in Potosi, Missouri, thirty minutes north of Ironton. Uh, I'm over the moon with how it went, except for one small caveat uh, that we'll get into. But this past weekend. <laughs> We had some of the world's best riders. We had the Yeti team, which means Mr. Richie Rude, who dominated, uh, Sean Near and Warren Niss, and some other Yeti riders, Blair Reed. Uh, I'm not, I can't remember everybody else. But then we also have Mitch Ropolato, Quinn uh, Reese, there, Jimmy Quinn Smith. Reese, Jimmy Smith. I'm getting there. Matt Zedlack, Nicholas Nesteroff. Um, Evan Gian Giancopolis Giancopis I I Giancopolis I don't know it it sounds Greek. Uh, Cody Kelly Cody Kelly Cody Kelly uh, yeah I mean the list goes on right like <clears throat> there's not many enduro races I've ever been to where it was you could you 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 had trouble remembering all the big names and let me tell you boys uh they are no joke when it comes to going down a mountain. <laughs> They are no joke. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get into a lot of that. Um, 
unfortunately. <clears throat> well, before we do, I just want to say, because I always forget this every podcast, if you ever have questions for us, if you want to make comments, you want to tell us we're idiots, uh, you want to give us a suggestion of things to talk about, please send us an e- email at okayestmtb at gmail.com. O-K-A-Y-E-S-T-M-T-B at gmail.com. All right, that being said, <clears throat> this BME, I've put a lot of time into meetings after meeting, lots of late nights. Hold on, let me cut you off for a second real quick. It's, go ahead, Clinton, Kyle. Clinton's not going to talk about this enough because he's a humble person and he can't get himself to do it. Right. This race that happened in Ironton, Missouri, is the result of Clinton Sylvie. Like, there were so many hands involved in making it happen eventually. Uh, it, it, like, I mean, like everything and everything from divine intervention to lots and lots of hard work from a lot of people. All of that started with Clint Sylvie. Yes. Clint started talking to the mayor and talking to the community, had all the right connections to volunteer organizations, to pro enduro circuits and professional trail builders. It, to put all of the pieces in the right room at the right time to have the right conversations to get this bike park built, which led to this race happening. So uh, Clinton wouldn't tell it. Clinton won't say it that way, but that's the truth. Uh, it, like I said, there were there were hundreds of people involved that put in tons and tons of countless hours, effort, time, and money into this. The spark all started with Clinton. So I wanted to I wanted to get that out of the way before Clinton starts telling the rest of his story because it's important to know that. <laughs> Well, I appreciate the kind words. I like to think of it as a, um, there's an arc here. And sorry, you know, I know this isn't a theology podcast, but I look at it as a a way God, an example of how God redeems bad things. Because quite honestly, there's a direct line from me breaking my femur in 2015 to this race happening. Because if I had not broken my femur, Almost without a doubt, this race would not be happening because I would have probably not gotten into mountain biking. I got into mountain biking because I broke my femur and couldn't ride a motorcycle and just got a bike to start working my leg out, basically. And then it all really comes from there. So anyway, that's by the way, you know, don't don't turn it off. I won't. If you want to hear me preach, come to my church on some Sundays (laughs) when I'm preaching and we'll you can hear me preach then. By the way, Clinton, I never put this together, but, you know, I started mountain biking after I broke my femur in 2013. I did not know that. Yeah, I don't know why I never put that together, and you've told me that before, but yeah. It's it's the gateway bone break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what's funny, though, is my mom came and watched uh, a lot of this race, and where we were watching was so sketchy that we we got done, and she, she was like, Clint... I think I'd rather you get back into motocross racing than to keep doing this. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, yeah, I was ready to rock and roll and race. <laughs> I've been so excited about this. And uh, about two weeks before the race, I got the Rona. And uh, it was no joke for me, boys. Um, now, even though I was out of quarantine and everything by the weekend, Physically, I I don't know if I could have done it safely. Um, I don't think I could have just from how tired I still get just walking upstairs sometimes. 
And also there seems to be a lot of research about sort of some hidden dangers of doing like very strenuous athletic activity that that soon after having it. I mean, I literally would have been, you know, my 10 days. It would have been my 11th day from starting symptoms on race day. So like the health department's like, yeah, you're good to go. But I even talked, I even called my doctor and everybody thought it would be a really bad idea. Um, potentially with some long-term health effects if I push it too hard too early. And as people found out, even though that was only a 10-mile total race, uh, it's no joke, neither physically nor technically. So I feel like I made the smart move and decided to just watch. And uh, I think I had a pretty good attitude on race day because I guess the positive is I've actually gotten to watch, even though it would only be for five seconds at a time, some of the best riders in the world and how they do it and what it looks like. And in those short span, man, I learned a lot. So let's get into it for real. Forget about me. Uh, maybe Kyle, Kyle, do you have a particular point you want to start with? Cause I really don't even know where to dive in. It's just so, cr- there's so much to go over. Um, and you really glazed over the fact that you spent 18 months of your life getting this park built. Uh, like nine months training for a race, burning vacation time at work, and straining a lot of other parts of your life to train for this race to not be able to do it. For the well, first time in your competitive career, Clinton, you had home field advantage on <laughs> the most legit mountain bike course that the BME might even visit this entire season. Like you're you're a fast rider and a competitive rider and a hard working racer. And you've never raced a race in your life where you had any any semblance of home field advantage. So, like, you just glazed over the fact that how bummed you are about that. But well, I, 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 the I was, only reason I was able to glaze over is because I spent like two weeks on Facebook just whining and crying about it, looking for sympathy and validation. And I, I you know, it's not like I didn't do any of that. I'm just, uh, it's, it's been long I'm, enough that I'm like, okay, it's time to move. Nobody I'm wants to hear that. I'm still not over it. For real, I'm not even over it for you yet. Kyle, oh, there we were tears shed by we my wife. There were there were tears that welled up in the eyes of some of my mountain biking friends' wives. <laughs> that they, <laughs> they told Hannah, when I found out about Clint couldn't race, I started tearing uh-huh. up. I thought I was going to cry. <laughs> oh, for real? Because I, yeah. I didn't hear about it. I, I, you, you like dropped it on me on Thursday or, or Wednesday or whatever. I mean, it was like, it was a few days before the race, but you had tested positive long before you told me. And I, I had no idea. Cause we had been talking. I picked up a trailer hanger for you at the bike shop. Like was going to run parts for you. I told Chris of the bike shop. I couldn't rate, I couldn't work for him on Sunday. Cause I was running race support for you. Like I had no oh idea until like a couple days before. And then I was, I was like still in denial at that point. Just like, it's just the flu. It's just the flu. It's just the flu. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh. Ryan, you were going to say something, though, bud. What, what, what you got? I was just saying how gutted we were when he sent us that message that he couldn't race because he had corona. I was like, oh, no. We get it, man. I, I get it. I mean, like, I, I can relate to that to, through my half dome trip. It was pretty. It was a fairly similar experience of that much effort, mental preparation, physical preparation, uh, lifestyle adjustment to fit around making that trip happen, uh, and then to have it all come up to you know, within weeks of it and have it not work out. Uh, I get it, and so I, I feel for you. I'm still gutted for you. 
but yes, let's 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 move on to the we, we can move on to the race now. I just wanted to make sure we talked about that a little bit further for 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 our boy Clinton. Pour one out for him. <laughs> well, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I definitely was super like depressed and angry for a couple days. I mean, very down, but you gotta, I mean, you just gotta get over it and move on and try to stay motivated for the next one. Um, so, uh, so with that said, when Ryan is back on the bike, we are going to host our very own world's okayest enduro race. And it'll be me, Clint and Ryan racing ourselves on Strava on some weekend in October or November of this year. So, <laughs> it, and we'll do it just to get some times on the board to see what it is. Cause I didn't race either. Ryan's been, Ryan was busted off as well. Um, I, I just straight chose life because I'm wildly unfit. Um, but we'll, we'll go down on a shuttle weekend and we'll shuttle all five stages and, and we'll, we'll see how it all looks on the Strava segments. We can, we can not <laughs> tell my wife I'm racing. Quote no, you're definitely, you're definitely not. not. No. You're a sweeper. No. You're just there to sweep. Safety sweep. Absolutely. You're a safety sweep. <laughs> We've already talked about this, Ryan. We've got you covered. <laughs> you know, boys, uh, there's actually, I can't give the details yet, but there's going to be, it, there won't be as many stages. There'll be different stuff. The amateurs will be able to race maybe the the green and the blues instead of the blacks. There's going to be a festival down there, I believe, in August. Oh, of 2021? So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I, I can't give out the details, but I'm just I'm so, just throwing it out there. There's going to be another event. It's going to be more casual, uh, more of a festival type thing, but... It, there's Clinton, stuff how's, coming. How's the the community like feel after the weekend so far? I mean, like everything I've seen, I've seen. I don't know if it was the mayor or somebody even posted like, like it was just amazingly inviting, and and I, it, I get the feeling they just are in shock of how awesome it went and what it brought to their town. Oh man, the the community down there loves it. Um, I hope they got lots of business out of it, but it's not just this weekend. I think they're the publicity that the Valley's getting as a place to go for vacation or whatever, it's, it's never been like this. And, uh, you know, I wish, you know, not all the pros had the time, but I did see a lot of social media from other racers where, <clears throat> you know, they went to the river after pre-ride Friday when it was warm. And, you know, a few of them have explored elephant rocks and there's so many great things in that region that you can make a multi-day trip out of and have plenty to do. You can go ride one day. You can go to Johnson shut-ins and elephant rocks. Another day you can go float the next day down the river at uh, black and Lesterville. You can go to Millstream gardens, you, you know, <clears throat> there's so much to do around the region, but there hasn't been that thing in town to really get people to come in and, and sort of, be a central hub for it so they're really excited about that stuff but there's a you know there's a lot of pride like it it makes me extremely proud you know i didn't build the trails alex and the jagged axe crew built the trails but still for professional racers to say things like and this is a quote from a guy uh, i won't say which one because there was a tie for 10th place but one of the 10th place pro riders said quote this is the gnarliest 600 feet in america uh oh that's wow. awesome some I other pros basically said you know 
if you want to be a professional mountain bike racer in the United States, you pretty much, you either had to live in like North Carolina, maybe West Virginia or the Pacific Northwest, or maybe around like Boulder. And you, you could, and, and you could ride those places and maybe get the skills you need to go race on the world stage. And they said, you could do that here. Like someone could live in Ironton, ride this mountain, and then they would be totally prepared to go race in EWS without being shocked or surprised or overwhelmed at all. Wow. I mean, that is like, that's got to make you feel good. If you're a Missouri native, whether if you live all the way up in like Kansas city, like I am all for like taking pride and like, Hey, we've got something here and we're going to start producing some like good talent and good riders that are going to be, you know, very technically proficient in a way that we just haven't had in the past. Um, maybe, I, maybe that's where we should really, we still haven't really talked about the race. Maybe we should start with the courses and the feedback we were getting, because I'll be honest, since I've been, I've, I have seen cannonball from when it was literally just being started before it ever got to anything steep. And I've, I've slowly worked my way down it as it was being built and it never really hit me how gnarly it is. Of course, it was a lot muddier uh, than it had ever been because somebody hit a rock that, that opened up a water flow that had not been there before uh, in, the, in the middle section. It was gnarly. Cannonball was a different trail on Sunday than me and you had ever ridden. I mean, I, I've probably got half a dozen laps down Cannonball at this point, but what those guys raced on on Sunday was different. <laughs> yeah, that middle, the middle third there, uh, from after the the spine to the real steep. Everybody's just calling it the waterfall roll or waterfall. From there to there has never been muddy like it was. Never. No. Um, if I can say not not just not just the footage I've seen from the race, but in general, and I think you guys will, and, and people who know me like, I don't care about life. I just send it. <laughs> not not much scares me, right? Like, Your Martin Davalos quote. <laughs> quote from Marty, Marty party. Um, like, I'm, I'm watching those videos and and camera footage. You know, GoPro footage doesn't typically doesn't do terrain justice or like hills or you know jumps or anything like that as to really the size that they are and i'm watching this footage because i haven't got to go there yet and ride and i'm like wow i think i would be intimidated and i'm not typically one that gets intimidated by stuff like that and that that says to me how gnarly and rugged <clears throat> and, and just raw that that iron tin and, and uh shepherd mountain is well, and this is not a knock. I, I I hope this doesn't embarrass him, but Kyle, you're you you're a pretty experienced, good rider, and that section was dry the very first day you saw it, and you walked it and didn't ride it on the on day one. I did not. I I went home thinking about that section, and then I did. <laughs> and it was dry. <laughs> it was dry that day. And, and it did change. A couple rocks got moved from when the first time I saw it. It was a little That's bit more true. raw. The first time I saw it than what it was than what it is currently. So I, I, I went there, I looked at it and I said, you know what? I've had a clean day. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go home and think about this, this whole section and uh, figure out how to do it next time. And I cleaned it. I cleaned it a few times the next time I went down, but yeah, in uh, the dry, yeah. it is a little, it definitely is a little easier than it was. You don't have to turn quite as hard 
to avoid some big rocks, but no, man, and, it was a soupy, it, greasy mess and on we race day. We rode it. I mean, we, we, we remember sitting at the top of that thing and like kind of picking tire lines and like trying to figure out how to modulate the brakes right and how much brake and when to let off the brake. And like, you know, and we were thinking like, if this is ever wet, if this is wet during the race, people are going to get hurt. <laughs> and we talked about it a long time. And it was, it was what was incredible to me. So I actually got to watch that section. Uh, I missed Rude. And I, I was just behind Kelly, but I got to see about a half a dozen or a dozen of the pros ride that section, and they rode it as if it was any other part of the mountain bike trail. Like, oh yeah, that I, that I, I had to focus on and really walk myself through, which doesn't say a lot about me in the dry. But these guys were riding it. Like, I, for example, if you watch the footage, that whole section, I, I don't know if there are, I don't, I don't even know if a third of the expert racers made it clean through that section. Like, I don't know if even one third of them didn't at least foot out, if not fall in that section. And I watched six pros clean it as if it was any other part of mountain bike trail, like the way their tires stuck, the way the bike moved around that corner, the way they didn't use any brake at all to come around that corner somehow. And the level of confidence they had, it was so different. Like, uh, like not like uh, it was un unbelievable what the, what they were doing compared to what I was doing and what I'd seen that they, they like the expert riders do. Yeah. I saw, I mean, what I saw is like, some good riders that I know of in some footage that are very, very skilled local riders <laughs> looking very amateurish. That's what it, what it made them look, you know, and they're good riders. Very. Yeah. Good riders. I mean, I, I just, you know, Ryan, I describe it as like you, you and I would have a better chance of beating Cooper Webb in a supercross than we would have of beating Richie Rude in a mountain bike race, which <laughs> well, is zero either way. Don't get me wrong. It's yes. zero either way, but like, when you look at the times and you, you know, I know how fast I've gone down it in the dry, not full race mode, but pretty fast. And he's like, he's probably, it's probably 30, 40 seconds on a, on a run that took me under three minutes to do, you know, like how you just, I'm just, you just think 30, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, you get to 30 and then you're coming across and you've just gone like, with your hair on fire, you know, as fast as you can imagine riding. It's just so crazy. <laughs> and if you look at stage times compared to like fast people out of the St. Louis market, guys that are winning local, you know, local enduro races, they're losing to guys like Richie Rude, like 20 seconds per stage on two minutes. minutes overall. Uh, 20 sec, more like 45 seconds per stage. Like, is that what the average was for that? Well, okay. Richie Rude finished with a total race time of 11 minutes, 59 seconds. 12 minutes. We'll say 12 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Right? 12. yeah. Um, I don't know if so we need to basically, go. Basically, two of our top performing St. Louis area locals were both just a little few seconds over 15 minutes. Right. Three, and then, three minutes. You know, and, it's and local race winners. I mean, even not even the St. Louis market. I mean, guys that travel the Midwest to race that were still in the thirteen thirty ranges, which is a ninety seconds difference. So ninety seconds over, a minute, yeah, a minute and a half over half and over five stages. So I mean, you're still you're twenty five thirty seconds per twenty twenty to twenty five seconds per stage, and that was that's a traveling active two a day enduro racer like, like uh, training two rides a day six days a week 
Endura local Endura Razor, and, and it's just it's so different. It's just it's incomprehensible what what the level is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I might be getting them ahead of myself, but I did notice the other day when I looked at the results. Shout out to local boy Devin Hines. Yeah, Devin had a fifth, fifth a weird expert. like he he had a couple crashes and some mechanical issues. He still got fifth in the expert class. So Devin got robbed with stuff too. Because man, every stage I saw him on was freaking blistering fast. Like, and he had he had three full blown no chain mechanicals and two offs, like complete bike separate or one complete bike separation off related to the mechanical. And another full blown off, like, and so for him to finish fifteen, I, I bet there's six, I bet there's an easy sixty seconds of mistakes. I, I bet there's thirty seconds in crashes and an additional thirty or forty seconds in mechanicals, which is part of the race. I get it. You got to keep your you got to keep your equipment together, and that's you know what ha- working with a factory pro team helps you do. But uh, but he finished a minute off the first place guy's time. You know, yeah. Which is, no, yeah. he was going good, man. He looked um, time I saw him. He was blistering fast the stages I saw him on. <laughs> the most impressive thing about Devin uh, is that he still was wearing a half shell helmet. That <laughs> that he right, got so a screw loose or something, man. I don't know. Let's talk about impressive things. Then might as well talk about my boy Sam Diatley uh, from Columbia, Missouri, who raced in a half shell helmet. On a hardtail, 27.5 bike, single speed, all day. Climbed all five stages, raced all five stages, and he, for whatever reason, uh, decided... No, he dropped out of the fifth stage. He rode the wrong trail down for the fifth stage, and he knew what he was doing. He chose he chose to ride the green just to have an enjoyable ride down. Yeah. He, <laughs> he did four and stages now, and said, forget it, let's go. I, and I'm so mad about it because he still climbed to the top and all he had to do was ride the fifth stage to be able to look at the data. I, a 27.5 single speed hardtail uh, and a half shell. And he was fast all day. He, he wasn't as fast as, you know, he, he wouldn't, he was not a top five expert finisher, uh, but he shouldn't have been on that setup. You and there's no see, reason why he yeah. should have been. Well, you can see his times. Uh, if you go to the results, uh, you go to Big Mountain Enduro, find the Ironton race, view results. Uh, if you hit the little drop down menu by the times, you can click all st- all stages or whatever. So you can yeah. see his first four. He's got times yeah. there. He's got times there, but he doesn't put that. Uh, they don't put rank on it, which is what I wanted That's to see. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't have the patience to run through That's and look every, look through every every different segment everybody rode. But but like so, as, as far as like obscene things, why I, I even asked him like the like two days before race day, I was like, Sam, are you going to ride a big boy bike and get a podium? And he said, Nah, I'm going to ride a single speed hardtail, and I, I still don't understand why. You know but- what? The single speed thing would be all right at this race. Uh, I, I don't think it'd really be a disadvantage. It might be an advantage because you don't have a derailleur to worry about smacking off stuff. There's not a lot of pedaling on these stages. You could basically, if you had a bike geared single speed at whatever, like either my probably like my next to highest gear on the bike, or maybe third gear. Um, from the highest, you could totally race, uh, and do pretty, you could still do really well just because 
you know, the, exa- a, the, exa- the exhaustive side of it would be making that climb and making well, climbing like, on a twenty-seven five. Most single-speed. most everybody ended up uh, hike a biking everything anyway, so I don't even think that matters. <laughs> uh, that's the thing about Shepard; it's a gnarly deal. So we've talked a lot about Cannonball, and it's just steep and chunky and gnarly. Most of our listeners are from Missouri; like they they know the deal. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about what I saw. I'm going to, we'll come back to cannonball, but, um, I spent a lot of time watching almost at the very bottom of, um, powder keg. That was stage two. And I was posted up at, um, after you go through all the really steep off camber sections, you come out of some loose rocks and you actually get to the steepest downhill part. And it's actually dirt. There's actually dirt there and it goes down really steep. And it it's makes a, a left hand with a kind of a slight berm. And then it drops straight down into a hard G out where there's kind of a little natural creek. And then kind of up and over a rock garden and then into a jump. And then carries on from there. So that's where I was watching a lot. And um, I watched a ton of the amateur class, uh, both men and women. I watched most all the juniors. I was bummed because the experts in the 40 plus had already gone through. Um, and then I watched the pros and, um, I just want to make this note about training for enduro. So if you have not ever raced in enduro, um, sections like that, although they're not common in the Midwest, watching the amateur classes and the amateur women, it was definitely making an extremely strong case of why enduro racers really need to go to the gym and do plenty of core and upper body workouts because the G out was so hard. And then the rocks after were so chunky that I saw people just absolutely getting bounced to the back of their bike and then grabbing a handful of back brake and the rocks that were slick and just bouncing all over creation, lots of crashes. Part of its strength and part of its technique. uh, We've got a problem in mountain biking where the conventional wisdom is, if you're going downhill, you want to get your weight all the way back. That's not really correct. You you just want to get yourself braced enough where when you get on the front brake, you don't go over the bars, but... You cannot go into a G out with your butt already hanging out past the back tire because as soon as you hit, you've got nothing, no control, you can't steer. And I just saw so many people just collapse in this G out and then just get bucked all side to side through the rock garden. Whereas the, the fast juniors and the pros come through and they just like go straight through it. Like, they slow down for the turn because you have to, and then they just let off the brakes and point it straight, and they never slide. And there's just some... I think there's some stuff uh, our crowd could work on where, you know, you, you only have control in traction. You, you you have the most traction possible when you're off the brakes, right? Um, but, well, man, I-, I saw a lot of gnarly stuff in that section, that's for sure. No, and that's the difference. Is just that, I mean, I even me, even even still me, is that like I I I can't I can't get myself to let off the brakes to put speed in places 
like those guys could like the, their comfort level at gaining speed in sections off the brakes was just it was crazy like i you could see it, it didn't it didn't look wild it didn't look out of control it looked very composed and there there are there's they're incredibly strong athletes but it, it's uh it, yeah it was different so i saw the wildest the wildest thing i saw i've ever seen in a mountain bike race ever in person was in that section uh the pro men were coming through and unfortunately, the BME cameraman missed this by about a minute. He was like a minute too late, or he would have got it on camera. When you come down this section, it's super steep, right? Like, Ryan, I can't wait for you to get out there. You, you, you can't imagine. Like, it's so steep. You come into a left-hander. You hit a G out. It's always got water in it. It's like a flowing creek. Maybe in the middle of summer, it'll be dry. Well, you hit this G out. And in the trail, you kind of have to veer and just take a little bit of a right veer, just, you know, kind of a foot, two foot right, and then back left just a little bit up and over a little rise and then down through some some chunky rocks and then into a jump. I think I've seen some footage of that. What There was some well, video of it. There's a huge boulder on the left. That's why everybody you have to kind of veer right if you're riding uh, to miss this boulder. This boulder is like four feet tall. Um, well, Warren Niss, who got third, he's a young Yeti rider. He came down through there. He hits the G out and there's just a little ride. It's not steep at all. Just enough of a little rise to technically be pointing uphill. And he preloads in the G out and bunny hops this huge boulder, like just straight over it and then onto the trail not only did he do it, but he had caught up to somebody. And when he landed, the person in front of him was only like three feet in front of him at that point. So like he was so committed to doing this, like he basically did it in traffic. <laughs> on his, It was I, just, I can't believe no one got it on camera. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen someone do in a mountain bike race. Bar none, like. Must have played with that all week just for race day. <laughs> I I got up in between riders. I'm like walking out onto the course once all the pros came through because there's like nobody left. I'm looking at it and I'm just like, because I'm thinking, okay, maybe if you look at it from the from the rider side, there's more of a lift there. No, this was just like Danny McCaskill bunny hop straight over a huge bullet. If he would have clipped a tire and crashed there, it would have been. So bad. And it it really couldn't have been much faster. Like, that might have given him a tenth, two tenths at most. And it was just so high risk. It was insane for that little amount of a gain. Like, nobody else did it. Absolutely nobody else did it. But it looked cool. Um, it did look cool. It looked amazing. And nobody got it on camera. Like we're, there was a big crowd, you know, big ish crowd there at that point, and we're all just like, "Did anyone get that? Did anyone get that?" Nobody got it, so <laughs> it will just live in my memory forever. You were, Clinton. Next time we ride there, you need to point that out. Like I'm having a hard oh, time picturing the exact section that you're talking about, but I want to see. I want to see what you're talking about. You won't believe me when I show you. You'll go that he did not jump over that. He must have jumped over this thing here. Like no, you will not. You won't believe it. <laughs> Okay. You you won't but you'll you'll think I'm lying, but it was one of those things where Hannah, my wife, was there, and you know, 
she's like, she said, you know, I think everything's impressive. I think it's impressive when anybody can just ride through there without crashing. So she's like, so she's like, I don't really know if I see something like if it was a big deal or not. She's (laughs) like, when he did that, I was freaking out. And then I looked up and everybody that was standing there, people who've been around mountain biking forever, were all freaking out. Like everybody was just could not believe what they just saw. So awesome. Um, there was definitely a, a marked difference though. Uh, you know, to me, the standout kind of where it's like, there's just another level of rider coming up was really made more apparent with the juniors. Um, the top juniors came through so well. And some other fast juniors, I'm not going to say names because I'm not trying to blow them out because there's, you know, at any other place in the Midwest, they would smoke me uh, just on fitness. But I know some juniors from like the Arkansas region and stuff like they did not look nearly as comfortable as they look at like Kohler or Leatherwood, somewhere like that. And uh, I actually one of them crashed and like got unclipped and basically jumped his body over the boulder that wore Nis bunny hopped. And I almost caught him from the rock I was sitting on, but I was sitting on thinking no one could possibly hit me here because they'd have to crash <laughs> over this giant boulder to get to me. <laughs> and I, it wasn't five minutes later. Here comes, here comes a junior, a very fast one from Arkansas crashing over the exact boulder. I pointed out, so he was all right. I gave him a pat on the back and told him that I'd just been bragging on him and he, you know, he needs to get it together. <laughs> uh, Man, the, uh, the, it, it, the juniors were really impressive. At least the, the U 21 category was really impressive. Like right. the top, the top five U 21 times would have made it to the top 15 pro. Yeah. They were ripping. You, you know um, what I mean? Like it, all, all top five of the U twenty ones would have would have landed within the top within the top fifteen pro. Yeah, and then some of them. I mean, they you know it's, it reminds me of amateur motocross. Some of them came from a long way. Um, you know, I think I talked to Jacob Snow. Um, I think he's a specialized kid. He came yeah. from San San Diego. Uh, he told me. Um, okay. And he, so he would have finished 13th in pro, like pro. Yeah. Right. These are, these are guys that once they get hit that age 21, they're not going to the expert class. They're going to the pro class. Right. They're going straight, straight up. Um, yes, they were very impressive. Um, their times, you know, 13, 15 for the winner, Jack Brown. I don't know him. I don't know where he's from, but that would have put him. Oh, that would have put him in. 11th place, uh, three seconds off Cody Kelly and Evan Giancopolis. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy fast for a 15 year old or something like that. I don't know. He's 16, 17, 18. I'm really not sure. Um, right. No, I mean, and even too, if you're you're talking about, no, he, no, he, he won the, uh, sorry. He won the, what, what am I looking for here? Under 21 men. Yeah, he won. Yeah, he won the seventeen to twenty year old. So okay, he's seventeen or eighteen or nineteen, something like that. Yeah, and then if you look at the youth groms, ten to sixteen, I have no idea how old Henley Henry Rappins is. 
but Henry Rappins, it, it, 10, 10 years old to 16 years old, finished 1424, which would have been third. That, that would have been that would have been top 20 in pro. And he's, he's not even 16 yet. Yeah, I think he's 15. Uh, that would have put him, I think, in second or third in the expert class. So, you know, it's funny. Mountain biking is a sport I feel like a lot more, a lot of people come to later in life. Um, but I forget that there's kids out there kind of like in the motocross world that like they've been racing bicycles like since they were little kids, like like I did on a motorcycle or you know what I mean? Yeah. And right. There's just another level there that we forget. You know, we have fast friends They're you know, they're fast at, at the local level. But they got into mountain biking as teenagers or college kids or whatever. Right. I was, you know, what, what Richie Rude and Sean Neer and those guys see and feel as what qualifies as fast is just a totally different thing. Like it's a lifetime. Yeah. We can't even, I, you know, what feels fast to them and what feels fast to us are not even remotely close. Um, that being said, uh, he told me it's totally fine if Missouri claims him no matter where he lives now. Uh, but shout out to Jimmy Smith, Jimmy, uh, who we get to claim as a Missouri guy. Uh, I'm he, such a he, huge Jimmy Smith fan. I love Jimmy Smith. You know what? I love him too because he's so fast. He he would have every right to to cool guy us. You know, he, he, and he just doesn't. No, no, man. I still fangirl when I get to talk to him, and like he's like a, he's like I don't know five or six years younger than me. And grew up riding dirt jumps, uh, you know, twenty miles from my house. I mean, like he, I know he's a Springfield guy, but he's a, he's a former BMX guy and grew up doing dirt jumps and you know being a trick BMX guy and uh, has just made a transition to. I mean, I say mountain biking, but even cycling. I mean, I think he's doing a lot. Of, he's done road racing yeah, and gravel racing. He's just an across the country. I think he got third at the Pro Cup and down in Bentonville like two weeks ago. <laughs> He's just an absolutely incredible athlete and a great dude. I, yeah. Every time I every every time I see him, I get to talk to him. I've done a couple races with him now, and I, I'm always happy to be able to say hey and you know you know a good weekend and stuff. And I don't, you know, I don't know sort of what his deal is, what he gets from Specialized and his sponsors. If you know, if anything more than bikes, I have no idea. Um, but it's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough because, like he he's got the personality you know, and the following to represent a company well. And not only that, he, uh, he's obviously got the speed to be legit. Um, you know, what could he do if, uh, if, if he was paid well enough that, you know, and maybe, maybe he does make enough that, you know, he's a legit professional bicycle racer. Like he just has to worry about training and, and being the best athlete he can be. I think that's what I gather from social media, but social media is never the, the full story. Um, but to be fair, like too, what could he do if he was had, if he was part of a development team with a coach that was just like, here's the plan boys and we're going to follow it and we're going to unlock, you know, every ounce of potential you've got, you know, fourth place at this race. And that's with him getting a 16th on stage one with a, with kind of a little crash. So 
Exactly. And I, and I mean, that's that's top three all day long with a, with a perfect day. And I don't think I don't think he's had a number played on for racing enduro in 2021 yet. I think that was his first enduro race of of the year. Yeah, I think you might be right. He's been doing a lot of cross country races and stuff road races. Like that. And, yeah, a lot, of, uh, a lot of spandex lately. Yeah, and I he 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 commented like, "Yeah, hoping this XC fitness gets me ready for you know round one of the big mountain enduro." And I I made a comment. It was like an Instagram. I'm like, oh, "There's not a whole lot of pedaling." He's like, "Ah, the top, you know, the top parts of the stage." But I watched him come through that section on stage two. We. You and I were standing pretty much together on yeah. on Cannonball when he came through, and he every bit looked. He passed the eye test, right? No, um, it looked pro, looked pro as could be, he, man. He and got, I, he, I know, he got third on that stage, so um, he definitely looked like he was at least the third fastest uh, in where we saw him. So I, I really so hope so. I, some, I think- some more people take notice. I saw him on two or three of the stages of the day, and I knew exactly what he was wearing all day, because um, you know he he just wears like a full black kit because he doesn't get paid enough to ride mountain bikes, uh, so he just wears a full black kit. And for whatever reason, I was going through pictures at the end of the day, and there was a there was a pro, I think it was actually Max Sedelik, um, that had to either rerun stage four or was really late to stage four, um, that made a pass down long after everybody else did. And it is another skinny, another skinny, fast guy with good style. And I and, and so but he had like a, a very bright, like pink salmon colored shirt on. And I was looking right. pictures at the end of the day. And I thought I had seen that Jimmy was wearing that same jersey. Now, I, and I know that I had seen him like three other times in the day and knew exactly what he was wearing. Um, but I didn't. But I for whatever reason, at that moment in time, I was like, oh, my God, that must have been Jimmy Smith. And. And then, so I sent him a message on Instagram. I was like, Hey man, did you have to rerun stage four? He's like, uh, nah, man, I was good. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, it must've been another guy in a pink Jersey. He was like, I was wearing black all day. And I was like, you were wearing black all day. I freaking knew that. Cause I saw you on three stages and you looked incredible. I don't know what I was thinking. I, it was, I just stuck my foot in my mouth and it was totally embarrassing, but <laughs> he's a good, he's such a good dude. Yeah. Um, whatever, you know, I, He's definitely got his mojo right now. That's for sure. And these stages are, they weren't long, you know, I'll give everybody that, but this is, you know, I talked, I, I took, uh, Alvaro, the, the course setter for BME. He did all the taping and all that stuff. I took him to the airport this morning and, you know, I know he was talking to a lot of the pro guys and none of them were complaining about the length of the stages because they're like, yeah, they're not super long but you literally have there's no there's absolutely nowhere to relax um i've seen videos from ews's where you i've seen sam hill with his seat down but he's literally sitting down on his seat just coasting with it down down a kind of a long straight stretch that's relatively smooth just you know catching his breath taking a rest there's there's literally nowhere you could do that on any of these runs not one, like no, not mine shaft, which is relatively speaking, you know, probably the easiest, technically speaking, but but even you're still, go like, super it's fast. High, it's a high demand trail. Like I, 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 I made it through mine shaft, and I had arm pump by the time I got to the bottom of it. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, it'll give you arm pump. It. I I rode it in the rain with Sam Diatley a couple weeks ago, right before I got sick, and we were just trying to like cruise down it slow. And it's it's harder to go slow because you're on the brakes so much. Like my hands started cramping up, which does not happen to me very often. Um, and that's the easiest trail in the mountain. Like, yeah, that's the shortest one. It took Richie two minutes and two seconds. That was the shortest stage. Uh, but that is there's literally nowhere in that two minutes and two seconds where you're not 100 percent on and focused. No, you're just totally um, gripped the entire time. Poor Ryan. Poor Ryan's over there just like shaking his head like, yeah, I'm sure it's nice, guys. Must be fun. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I know. Uh, <laughs> Poor Ryan doesn't have a lot to add. Hey, uh, I want to interrupt this before we move to the next thing. You guys, I have a, I have an ad read. So, you know, don't skip, everybody, uh, because this episode is sponsored by me. <laughs> So here it goes. All right, look, we all love to ride. And one of the great things about mountain biking is it's a lifetime sport. But it we we all know this. It isn't cheap and it's dangerous. So the question is, do you want to be shredding well into retirement, right? Like, I want to be racing the 40-plus class in for years to come. And then I want to race the 50-plus class. And then I want to race when I'm 60 and 65. I mean, my dad's 66. And he swears he's going to ride down powder keg. All right. Here's the question, though. If you think you're going to ride with your grandkids, how are you going to afford it? Are you sure you'll be able to? Do you have a financial plan to take you well into the future? If you don't, or if you do and you want to review it, let me know. I'm a financial advisor with Belgrade Financial Services. You can email me at K, because Clinton is actually spelled with a K, Sylvie at moneyconcepts.com, or give me a call. Five seven three three two seven seven zero zero three. We can go ride. We can make the mountain bike. This is my dream in life: is to have enough mountain bikers give me a call that basically the the Shepherd Mountain can become the new golf course or any of the trails in St. Louis. And instead of going and playing golf to talk business, we can go ride. We'll uh, talk about your financial, you know, situation. Come up with a plan. Do what we need to do and make the mountain bike park the new golf course. All right, Belgrade Financial oh. Services and you got to let me finish, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. Belgrade Financial Services is an, is an independent firm not affiliated with Money Cap Money Concepts Capital Corp. All securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Corp member FINRA SIPC. Okay, it's over. We can talk about bikes again. So, hang on. Hang on. Two things. <laughs> One, your little disclaimer at the end. Literally, I have to do that. You to, to, your you know. little disclaimer no what you need to do is you need to you need to take that and 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 like make it really fast you know how they read those really fast and just save it so like it's your insert right and i it's only like a it'll sentence. be like a, it's like, like two sentences long it'll be like a drop you know that was a good elevator pitch clinton nicely done I well guess what great. i'm gonna do it the next time we do a podcast and the next time and the next time <laughs> but i'm not ever gonna tell you when it's coming that way people can't just be like oh i'll just skip the first minute of the show every week <laughs> You never know when it's coming. All right. Second thing. Sorry I interrupted, but but Clinton will teach you how to save for retirement and then save for buying that $20,000 mountain bike to go down Shepherd. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be like the 2025 uh, specialized t- turbo Levo. Yeah. It's going to be like $20,000. <laughs> yeah. Clinton will teach you how to save for that. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. What were we talking about? Before I screwed it up, 
No, yeah. No, so here, so I had, so I, I can go. Let me go through my list. Uh, let's see what we got here. So we talked about the race. We talked about Clinton's uh, battle with COVID. Uh, the next thing on my list is Ryan's recovery. Uh, just wanted to check in with Ryan. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, actually. Um, what is your back on the bike? I'm like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe end of June. You think you're thinking uh, end of June for a bicycle and for moto, or June for bicycle, maybe August for moto? Yeah, yeah, that's maybe accurate. I would say at this point. Okay. Yeah, it's going good though. I had PT yesterday morning, and I would say it was the first time. You know, I I think uh like. Um, you know, like the first six weeks of PT, I was kind of like frustrated, like didn't feel like it was making a ton of, like it was getting better and getting stronger and more range of motion, but just didn't feel like I was getting where I thought I should be. And then yesterday it was like, all right, I'm feeling pretty good. Like I'm probably 96% of the way there to range of motion and definitely getting stronger. Like I can, I can pick up my son. He's about 30 pounds. I can like pick him up and whatnot and it, 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 no pain like so it's definitely getting better good good, good deal and yeah yeah I, I miss it i can't wait to get out and just ride i don't need to be getting hurt but but uh looking forward to just riding with the the fellas again so kyle did something insane that i never thought i'd see he's actually going to sell some bicycles <laughs> i know I don't know how he's going to, Ryan, how's he going to get by without, look, he's got several, he's got a couple hardtail dirt jump bikes. He's got a full suspension slope style dirt jump bike, but how is he going to get by without his other full suspension slope style dirt jump bike that has like five gears on the back? I don't know. I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wondering how life's going to be for Kyle after this bike's gone. I uh, I actually sold one already, so I, uh, I I already sold the road bike. I sold the road bike to the first guy to look at it for near asking price. I mean, to be fair, the bike was brand new; like it had fifty miles on it. But the slope style bike, uh, yeah, All I, your I, bikes, I, Kyle. Uh, no one ever should hesitate to buy a used bike from you. I could say that. I wish you would get a bike that I want because <laughs> I would never buy a brand new bike ever again. I would just. Just be a revolving door of like buying Kyle's bikes every year. It's not a bad train to get on, man. Cause you're right. I mean, like not only am I like wildly meticulous about every bike that I own, but none of them get ridden hard or often because I've got so many freaking bikes that like, I, I don't have time to ride any one of them too much. So many so. bikes and so many hobbies. <laughs> I know. Well, and so that's kind of the reason is that I decided that I would I would probably ride a moto uh, more than I would ride my road bike and my other my extra slope style bike combined. Oh um, yeah, by far. Big. You already have. You already no, I, have. No, you're right. I went and got in like I don't know. We probably did like six miles, I guess, six or seven miles the other day. And so I I, I got myself back in a moto finally uh, after a year and a half off. I got myself uh, a KTM. 200 xcw with an e-start and i am just so excited about it (laughs) that's awesome yes hey how long before we get clinton in the woods kyle i mean like 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 could get a buddy bike i don't have a problem riding in the woods on someone else's bike i really don't 
I just don't want to take my bike into the woods. Right. It well, hey, I got a beautiful beta that that will be needing somebody to ride it for a couple months till I'm healthy. All right. Well, bring it on out. I mean, I'll ride that thing. Don't bother you're, me. You're gonna you're gonna take the first spin. That's totally fine. I would love to. Um, right. I'm gonna get back and ride some more moto here. I've got a local kid that's been doing really well in the Missouri hair scramble series. Um yeah, like the la- he races double A. He races the double A pro class. He got second in the last race he was in. Um, he's riding good. Yeah. Yeah. Colby Gibson's his name. And yeah. he's just like, we haven't ridden together in like a year. He comes out to the moto track. I, you know, help him with a little bit of intensity or whatever. So I, I told him, I said, once this mountain bike race is over, it's like, you got to give me till May. Once we get into May, I'm, I'm getting back into motocross we're going to ride together. So I'm going to try to do it all. And, you know, we'll see. It's closer to home. So my wife will like that. I don't have to go so far away and, you know, spend an hour just driving uh, back and forth. So, um, that's, that's ultimately what led to me buying another moto is that, uh, I had a friend in high school long time ago that we rode a little bit i rode a little bit of moto back in high school we rode with him and he kept he kept riding but he has a really neat situation where he lives and ryan has gotten to be pretty good friends with him over the past few years and i kind of i don't know how I managed uh to get myself an invite to riding this guy's property so my, our buddy's name is ben but ben's got a really neat section of single track uh dirt bike trails like 21 minutes driveway to driveway from my house and so that's ultimately what led to me buying a moto is that like one, those guys do all do weekly rides. So my buddy or John Shallert and Ben and Ryan do these like weekly ride out there and that I, that I, I guess garnered an invite to somehow. Um, and then it's, like just, it, it's just easy to get to man. And so now like I've always, I've always wanted to always own a motorcycle. Uh, it just didn't make sense anymore with what I, where I was riding and who I was riding with and how often I was able to ride. Um, and so now that I, you know, have kind of have access or have, you know, at least an invite for now, uh, to those trails out there to ride weekly, uh, it made, it just made sense to get back into it. And, um, I couldn't be happier with the bike I found too. I drove, I drove eight hours round trip last Tuesday to go get it unless you're my boss listening to this. And then I definitely didn't do that on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Hey, and, and we're going to get Connor out there riding. Yeah. Man, I got, I got no rush to get that kid on a motor at all. We we are we are we are mountain bike and BMX for now. Um, although old boy did have himself a mega solid uh, biffer uh, at the at the BMX race last week. <laughs> all right. Well, there's some one last thing I want to do, boys, before we go. It just came to mind. It, it, it kind of sounds like a uh, kind of a. I don't know. It doesn't seem super nice, but my heart's in the right place. I want to scroll down the results and just give a give a shout out and a pour one out to all the local people that we know that either DNF'd or DNS'd this race. <laughs> yeah. That, oh man. So pour one out. All right. Now but I don't hey. I don't well, here's something crazy though, boys. I know on pre-ride, I think a guy did fracture his pelvis. Ryan, you you know all about that kind of stuff. Ooh. Um, but there weren't any big injuries, like major, you know, we got to ambulance somebody out of here. And, and I saw, okay, I saw Ari Soto. She's a under 21, uh, women's rider. She won on Saturday. I, I've got to talk about this. This is the scariest thing. Um, 
coming into the jump section at the bottom of Cannonball, she overjumped the first step down to flat on the pavers and kind of got out of control and full speed, no kidding, took off the next tabletop hard to the right, completely off the trail by like 10 feet. And just thankfully she didn't nosedive and like just landed flat from a, you know, eight or 10 feet up easy and landed so hard and then just went straight into a tree and was kind of collapsed over her bike for a, like she didn't really move for a little bit. And then we all ran over there and she's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. It was so scary. Like I would have just gone home. I'd have been done. Um, she raced the next day and won. (laughs) Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that she was the one that won. She won the under 21, the 17 to 20 year old women's class. Um, That girl is tough as nails. Um, and she had like a wrist brace on and stuff to start with. So, you know, she'd been injured probably this year already. It was crazy, man. My dad, he could, he was in disbelief that she was racing the next day. He thought for sure she had to have broken some ribs or something. Um, so shout out to her for having like the scariest crash, uh, and still racing. So, I'm just going to scroll down the amateur men. Uh, you know, shout out to friend of, of mine and friend of the mountain, friend of the show, uh, Chris Wietrich. Looks like he had a DNF. So we'll, we'll pour one out for Chris. Chris uh, had a good our, day. He, he had fun. I saw him post-race. I, I didn't know why he didn't finish, but uh, he's I, I love Chris. He's such a great yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He and he he's one of the volunteers. He, he and uh, his wife, Sarah, they put in a lot of um a lot of time volunteering on the mountain um Great. so they they really have many hours they've spent down there um i think they've got probably some of the other than you know crazy dave and myself they probably got some of the highest amount of hours volunteering um zach blickman i know he's a local guy looks like we got a dnf there sorry zach get him next time uh Dustin Poley was pushing around the dual crown bike. Um, I don't know if it didn't work out. I think he broke a a wheel or something like right off the bat. So shout out to Dustin. Shout out to Annie Schwartz taking second in the amateur women. Um, We had a pretty good representation of, uh, of, of women from our local area. So Annie and Laura and Sarah Teague all did pretty well. Yep. Um, Joe Hallbrook, he's a local guy. It was his first race ever. And he got third uh, in the beginner class. So nice job in your first enduro ever. This would be a. I, I would definitely not want this to be my first enduro ever if if I could help it. Um, <laughs> Hayden Shot was in there doing his first enduro. Um, let's see who else we got. Uh, yeah, I think we got to mention Justin and uh, the, the. Yeah, Justin Roush and the and and Brody the Ripper, or is it Brody? Right, Bro- Brody the Ripper. Yeah, he did pretty well. Shout out to I, he's not a local guy, but Colin Siggers. I've known him for several years. He's down in Arkansas. He broke part after part on his bike in the e-bike <laughs> class. 
Uh, I know he, he broke cranks on pre-ride day. He had to get a tire on pre-ride day. And then in the race, he, his, his chain somehow, the way his derailleur caught on uh, whatever stage, it tore through his chain stay. Oh, no. It just... Because I saw him at the end of the race. I'm like, hey, did you keep your bike together? He's like, 100% not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Shirtless Doug for making the thumbnail on the Vital video. Shirtless Doug. Dude, I was so Uh, glad I seen that on Vital. (laughs) Michael Fleeg had a pretty respectable time in the expert class. Zach Barron was in there. Uh, yeah, Zach Barron. I got. I got to say, so Zach. Zach is one of the fastest bike riders I know, uh, and I know he had one good solid digger. I don't know what happened in the rest of his day, though. Um, but that time seventeen twenty nine does not reflect what he's capable of. Um, I'm, I'd be curious to figure out where uh, where his big his big miss was. Um, but he's uh, he's he's a fast rider. I'd like to see more from him next time. We'll, we'll have to interview him at the next BMX night. You know, yeah. this is this is going to sound stupid because he won. Eric Pirtle won the Master 40-plus men, took Sand the first Bagger. four stages. <laughs> uh, he is, I can just tell you, he, that time, 15.02, is, is not reflective of what he's capable of either. I know he won, okay. but... Is that a casual he's, pace? He's faster than that. Uh, at least he could be. Um, and I don't know. I don't want to say too much because then he might not, you know share info with me but let's just say i think his motivation to get back into true race form has been kindled um (laughs) he's he's like he's kind of like me like except i i love racing i'm not afraid to admit it he loves it too but he acts like he doesn't uh (laughs) so oh friedman dnf oh man uh you know i know steve We'll pour one out for the homie. Yeah. Uh, Cass Cruz, he he had a digger on Cannonball. Um, he's okay, but, you know, he's he's uh, he decided to call it a day after that. Um, so, shout out to him. Uh, that, you know, I, I think uh, there was just so much carnage, man. So many broken bikes. Um so many crashes, but I'm still very pleased that like, as far as serious injuries, injuries go, like I said, they didn't have to haul anybody out on race day, which is amazing to me, which really the big credit there goes to the trail builders for building super challenging, super interesting, super fun trails that actually aren't super high speed. Um, right. They're, they're actually fairly low speed, and you're forced to use your brakes and you're forced to focus. And there's just none of these sections where you get going 30 miles an hour down a smooth bench cut and, and clip a tree, right? So I, I'm just over the moon about how it went. Um, you know, we've got, we're trying to line up an interview or two with some people that were pretty fast. I'm not going to say who, just in case it doesn't work out, but. Hopefully we'll be able to announce that in a, in a couple days. And I have a feeling if we get the person we're trying to get that, uh, it will be our most popular podcast we've ever done. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Be awesome. All right, boys. Well, Ryan, wish you could have been there, buddy. Um, I can't wait to get you down there. 
Um, yeah, and Kyle, we you need to get down here soon with me, if for no other reason for me to just point at a boulder and say that one. I'll he let, jumped I'll over miss, that one, and then I'll you'll be that. you'll just you'll just shake your head. <laughs> what uh? When do you want to do it? Like, how, how soon do I need to get down there? How, like, when? When well, are you? Right I think again? I need <laughs> to give myself about about one more week before I start really trying to get back into it. And then I think even then I need to take it pretty easy. So if we don't have shuttle tickets, it might, you will, maybe we'll get some shuttle tickets or just take a, take our time with it. So, uh, that's what we need to do. We need to find a way to do a shuttle ticket. Let's let, let's, let's, let's let the weather get nice. I'll bring the kids down, let the kids and fam hang out with your fam. And then, uh, me and you can go and enjoy a day of shuttling and slapping high fives. Like I like to. Yeah, maybe we'll announce it, and uh, whoever else shows up who wants to ride with us can. And we'll, yeah. uh, instead we're, of taking hard race runs, we'll just goof around and do some sessioning or something. Yeah, totally. And we could, if somebody, if we want to do that, we could even announce it and record on the shuttle ride up a segment of our podcast just for fun. Yeah, it'd be sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for me, boys. Uh, again, listeners, okayestmtb at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook. I think Kyle's going to start an Instagram page for us or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I just have something to tag for it. Like, uh, I'm going to start an Instagram page. I will rely on Clinton to update it mostly because I already kind of co-manage another Instagram page or two. Um, but, yeah, I'll get something started, and then at least we can have something to point people to. Um, they'll have a link to our podcast on Spotify or whatever. Right on. Ryan, anything to add? Any final comments? I'm just bummed I missed out, but it sounds like it was great. I think, you know, the press that, I mean, shoot, we got, we got play on pink bike and vital MTB. And I mean, it was so like the hype about the trails, maybe it's totally confirmation bias, but I think, I really think it's because no one that is not from here expected it to be so great. Right. And, and when there, when you've got pros, you know, when when Richie Root is like, yeah, like this is actually a really great place for me to get tuned up before I go to Europe yeah. for EWS races, like no one expected it, right? And I maybe it's confirmation bias, like I said, but I don't think I've ever seen the trails get hyped like this from a race. Man, everyone always says like, yeah, it was a great race, great trails, whatever. Hey. It, we, 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 we hear from all over the country from mountain bikers, like, Hey, you ever been to Bentonville? And, and like, I'm not knocking Bentonville or Northwest Arkansas. Like love going yeah, down there. Great. Like, like they got like, their own thing going on, but yeah, but they don't get their trails. Don't get hyped like this does, you know? And, and I, yeah, maybe it's like the bias of, you know, like Missouri and like over in the area, you know, where I'm from, but man, like, you know, they build new stuff all the time in Bentonville and none of it gets the hype this does. Well, it was just totally different riding. Yeah. It's just it's apples yeah, yeah. and oranges. And it was just but, so unexpected. You know what I mean? Like Bentonville has been on the hype train for I don't know, for six years now, seven years now of really being a focal point of worth a destination to travel to. You know, for the first time ever, um, you know, professional mountain biking has come to the state of Missouri and had a season opener nonetheless. So it's going to get a lot of attention from all the teams and nobody expected Missouri to have what uh shepherd mountain had, had provided. Sure. Yeah. 
And I think I didn't even understand how good it was because I've, I've been there from the start and I've never really been anywhere else. It, like I've never been to Keystone. I've never been to Windrock. I've never been to Whistler. So I didn't know. I did not understand how good it was. And then you've got these people from Utah, Colorado, California, these pro guys all being like, this is unbelievable. This is like every, this is gnarlier than pretty much anything we race. It's not as long, but it's, it's action packed. And so I didn't even really have any perspective. I didn't know it was that good. I really didn't. Like I knew I really liked it and thought it was super challenging and fun and awesome. But I, like I said, I've never been to Windrock. I've never been to North Carolina. Like I was just like, I hope, I hope people like it. And I mean, there was, I could not find a negative comment, even from the people who broke their bikes on it. Like they were just stoked to that. <laughs> like it's crazy. I, so I'm so happy. I hope pe- more people come visit, show the town some love. I mean, you've never seen a community like support this. Dozens of retirees are just like in their shepherd mountain gear their hats and their shirts just <laughs> direct in traffic happy as could be that we're there it's just crazy so it's awesome yep all right well we're gonna end it there have a good night ryan i hope you sell lots of side-by-sides tomorrow hey i, I hope you sell some financial services my friend and kyle Me too. i hope i help i hope i would love to help some folks out <laughs> and the best part is you know if you're a writer and you want me to come up to St. Louis or whatever, you got a day off work, you want to talk about it, we can make that happen. And no, no problem. All right. Later, guys. See you guys. See you guys. Good night. Mm-hmm.